calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway For You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. issue there but hey welcome everybody to the final episode of the geek buddies in 2022 here uh for you all to enjoy oh we forgot our intro so welcome well, to well we we oh. didn't <laughs> we did not forget the intro shannon and i just sit here waiting for you to work yourself out mama more eggnog please right now Let's get it going. Uh, anyway, well, welcome everybody to the final show of 2022 from the Geek Buddies. Hey, hey. hey. we're gonna have some fun today for sure. Getting into so many things going on in the world of geekdom, geekery, geekarama. We're gonna get into so much. I'm gonna talk about an across the Spider Verse poster that came out. Try to pick out all the Spideys and what's going on there. We're gonna talk about some new trailers that dropped, like Oppenheimer talking about blowing up the world. We're gonna get into some of the statements from The Rock talking about blowing up the world. We're gonna say this from The Rock uh, that uh, addressing the Black Adam situation and our big topic is going to be uh, our favorite geek stuff from the year of 2022. So strap in, sit back, relax, get yourself some eggnog, some coffee, some drinks, whatever, and enjoy this show because we're going to have some fun breaking it all down here on the Geek Buddies. Uh, but let's introduce ourselves first. I am the outlaw, John Roca, writer, producer, and host here on the show. I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. 
and this is Shannon McClung. I'm a television actor and an animation writer where you can close out your year watching some of our latest work on Netflix with Strawberry Shortcake, Barry in the Big City, Season 2. Yeah, good stuff. Definitely go check that out, ladies and gentlemen. And after you're done checking out our show, don't forget to go back and watch our live spoiler review of Avatar The Way of Water, which is up now for you all to watch and enjoy. If you went to go see it, go and watch our review and see what you if you agree or disagree with some of our points of views. And, of course, a big shout-out to CarbonHealth.com, who continues to power and sponsor us here on the Geek Buddies into 2023. Thank you so much. Go and head over there to CarbonHealth.com and go get checked out today or download the app to have a doc in your pocket. All right, the way the show works, in case you're new, is each of us talks about a Geek News item, so three Geek News items, then we take a break and jump into our main topic. And as we said, our main topic is all the big stuff going on in the world of entertainment from 2022 in the world of geekery to be specific. But anyway, let me start it off here with the big news about the rock. You know, there's all this controversy going on, ladies and gentlemen, about uh, the rock here and black Adam. There was talk about a 24 grosses. There's talk about comparison to uh, captain America, the first Avenger. There's talk about like, well, no, there is some money. We did make money. Oh, well, maybe the numbers were fudged here. Is The Rock continuing or not continuing as Black Adam? A lot of controversy, a lot of anger. If you want to read a takedown, which I thought was pretty brutal, go to Above the Line, and they got a pretty break, uh, pretty a brutal breakdown of The Rock and some of his actions over the last few weeks addressing the Black Adam situation, which is out now on HBO Max, but you wouldn't know that if you followed The Rock on his social media. Did almost nothing to promote that release. Well, yesterday, finally issued a statement to address everything. Let's bring it up real quick. He says, my passionate friends, I wanted to give you a long-awaited Black Adam update regarding the character's future in the new DC universe. James Gunn and I connected, and Black Adam will not be in their first chapter of storytelling. Goes on to say that down the road, they may revisit this, that they're friends, uh, and that he's rooting for both DC and Marvel to succeed, and is rooting big for them. He says he has a thick skin, although he did issue this statement, and he said these decisions made by James and DC leadership represent their visions of DCU through their creative lens after 15 years of relentless hard work. You know, we did a great, I'm very proud of the film we delivered. I will always look back to the, uh, to the fan reaction with tremendous gratitude, humility, and love. We did great to my very passionate vocal Black Adam superhero genre fans. I love you. Thank you. I will always listen to you. Do my best to deliver and entertain you. What a hell of a month. Go have some of my particular liquor that's out now. Have a productive week and happy holidays. So, gentlemen, I did a, a, a video yesterday breaking down this statement. And this is very much a brand-saving statement, it seems like to me, but also a way of saying of taking a little bit of the hit off of the rock and uh, him playing to the fans as he loves to do from the WWE days on, he knows how to play to the fans. So what do you guys take away from this statement? What's your reaction to the statement? And is this enough to quell the um, uproar that had been going on over his uh, reactions to black Adam? I mean, (laughs) (laughs) Look, the, the Rock is a promotional machine. Yes, like, he that is. is something that he is he is known to do, and not oh, all yeah. of his movies uh, succeed. I mean, uh, in the lead up to Baywatch, like he was banging the he was banging that drum hard. Yeah. And same with Rampage. Like, oh, Rampage, that was one of my favorite games as a kid. You know, there's all this um, uh, uh, promotional work that he does. And when the movie doesn't um, produce, much like, you know, Baywatch did not. Like, Baywatch was a pretty big, pretty big flop. Um, He didn't come out afterwards and do this. And I think part of it probably is how personally invested I think he was in this one. He was connected to it for so long. And I think probably from a certain point of view, he thought this was going to, or hoped that this would 
propel him to that next level because while he is one of the biggest movie stars in the world, um, when you look at his body of work, I mean, it's not, no one's blown away by it. I mean, it's like, hey, let's go see the new rock movie. So I do think a lot of this was uh, a little uh, a little face-saving that, you know, it, it, this did not turn out the way that he was hoping. The fact that the DC universe and its current incarnation is kind of being dismantled. Um, you know, that, that was just a... Uh, 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 un- unhappy coincidence. I'm like, yeah. Black Adam not doing well is not the reason that DC is coming apart. No. It's because they have new creative stewards and they, to 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 execute their vision, it seems like they want to start with a blank slate. So, you know, part of part of me does kind of feel bad. Like, oh man, like I get that you 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 took your shot here. You shot your shot and it didn't work out. And because you were banging that drum so hard, um, it probably this one probably stung a little bit because while it did make it made a little bit of money um, compared to what it cost versus the lead up to it. I'm sure like I'm sure he's he's, you know, licking his wounds right now. Yeah. But The Rock is not going to stop being a huge movie star. I mean, he's already promoting uh, the fact that the movie that he's making right now with J.K. Simmons, the red one the you know, yeah. the big his big Christmas movie. Chris Evans, Red Notice 2, that's coming down the pipe. Like, he's not going to stop being a movie star. But from a fan's point of view, it's like, ah, oh, buddy, <laughs> I'm sorry. This is like this is like going to see your friends play, and the play is just not that good. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I don't really know what to say to you right It's now, called prancing. But... I understand what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, uh, Mike, <laughs> Mike, your thoughts on this? I mean, because, I mean, The Rock, you know, he took his shot, and not just with the movie, but trying to strong arm, some have described, or maybe – bully his way into the situation to kind of dictate the future of DC. We talked about that on the show. So there was some pushback on that. And so people for the first time ever, I think in the history, in the rocks history, kind of trying to take him down a peg because pretty much everyone has been on board and supporting the rock and his underdog story and all of that. But this is the first time where it feels like Icarus flew a little too close to the sun um, in all of this. And then, so what do you think about the statement? Do you think it addressed everything it needed to address? And that people are going to let it go now. Did it deflate the balloon, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. I mean, sure. I mean, people, people, <laughs> let it, I mean, it's people let it go. It's just, I think that it's the first time. I mean, I think that The Rock, kind of to Shannon's point, like he's a promotion machine, but he's also really, really good. The brand of The Rock, he's yeah. very good at selling. Yeah. And the brand of The Rock is charming and funny and relaxed and confident and I just think that this is the first time ever in the world of social media, in the world that The Rock really inhabits so well, that we've seen uh, a crack in the armor. Like, yeah. like he really let himself get down in the weeds a little too much. Like, nobody, at the end of the day, nobody is going to get mad if you were in a big movie that bombed. All of our yeah. favorite actors and actresses have, have been in movies that were not great. Um so had Black Adam come out and he had promoted the hell of it out of it and had done his thing and it had failed and he had been like, oh, well, you know, you win some, you lose some. Right. He would have like that, that rock image would have been maintained. But boy, I mean, getting in the weeds, having these, oh, guys, no, look, we did make money. And then Henry Cavill fired, uh, fired yeah. his agent because it, like it was just the whole thing is kind of messy. But I think he'll survive. I think he's really lucky that James Gunn uh, and Peter Safran are coming in and basically dismantling the universe because now a, a Black Adam sequel 
it does it doesn't matter. Like the the movie could have been That's good a, or bad, it probably would have gone away. Point. Like so yeah. he kind of um like gets out of this unscathed because mm. he can always point to oh well if they hadn't done this we would have continued that story we would have continued there were these plans that even and then he'll be like look not every marvel movie does great chris hemsworth's first thor movie people didn't really love it but look at ragnarok look at this had we continued we had a plan and he'll be able to say that till his deathbed and nobody will know because the issues that dc are having are bigger than the rock uh i think you know the most interesting thing to me in his entire statement is when he says James and I discussed how The Rock, how Black Adam can be a part of the bigger DC multiverse. He doesn't say the DC universe. He doesn't say DC cinematic universe. He says no. the, in the in future DC multiverse chapters, which I think just underscores exactly what we've been saying for the past few weeks, which is we're 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 on the verge of a hard reboot, and yeah. everyone that we've seen up to this point in the DC universe is going away for a while to exist in the ether. And then when we want to tell some big multiverse story down the road, we're going to be like, oh shit, look, it, we'll do the same thing now that we did when we got the announcement about Michael Keaton in Flashpoint. Yeah. Like, we'll yeah. be like, oh, well, we're going to have a new Superman. I bet we're going to have a new Wonder Woman, a new Flash. Like, let's get rid of the Ezra Miller of it all. Like, we're going to have new characters. But then down the line, we're going to have some big event where Momoa, Gal, maybe The Rock are all going to show up in some big movie from some other universe. And we're all going to go, oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's crazy. So who knows? So I think he's he gets out of this unscathed because DC's got a lot more going on than his shitty Black Adam movie. <laughs> yeah, I think you make an excellent point. I hadn't thought about, Mike, Yeah, that James Gunn essentially kind of. Uh, by gave him an excuse to say, well, look, we wanted to go forward. We wanted to continue with this. We want, but they're rebooting everything. So it's not my fault. You don't blame me. I wanted to do a sequel and what have you. But I do think to be fair, there's going to be some, I don't know, ramifications or consequences down the road. The fact that he didn't want to do a cameo in Shazam that just spoke. There's a little bit of ego here. A lot of people are digging him for his ego, him wanting to take on Superman. And look, I can explain it like this the rock always goes for the belt okay that's just his natural instinct and so to go for superman the biggest dude in the yard like you do in prison it makes all the sense in the world but you undercut the mythology the connections to the characters all of that uh by doing that and by not wanting to be part of the shazam 2 or do a cameo or wanting to only focus on black adam and the reports were that he wanted to make a black adam centered universe that's a hell of an egotistical thing to do for sure to be fair but that is also The Rock for all his charm and sweetness and niceness. And look, I've interviewed him twice. He's willing to do everything. He kind of promo with me, for God's sakes. He's willing to do things for people. But on the same side, he's also got an ego to succeed and to be ambitious and to be number one. And look, that's Hollywood. You can't fault that in the end. But you're going to have to take the hits and the slings and arrows when they come. And certainly, we'll see how he comes out of this when in the Shannon said. He's already promoting his other stuff. He promoted his damn liquor on the, on the statement. So he understands what he's doing. And we'll see. <laughs> what the overall effect of this is. But also, one last thing here. He doesn't have a franchise to call his own. This was going to be his franchise to call. Hobbs and Shaw is a spinoff. The Scorpion King stuff is a spinoff. So there's nothing that's the rocks. And maybe he was thinking mm-hmm. this was something that could be that. And in the end, the 15 years and all of that. You know, it's tough to take the hits after 15 years of trying to make something happen and it not working out. So, you know, we'll see in the end 
what it leads to for sure. Uh, and we'll see if Gal Gadot is going to stay on. Uh, she may be the next domino to well, fall in all of this. Although Gunn keeps saying no, you just never know. We can all just things. wait for that. Uh, we can all just wait for that Jumanji three announcement coming soon. So. <laughs> was better than the second one for god's sakes um all right well let's take a good movie you crazy what the second one danny devito danny devito man i'm in keep devito away from any feature (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna take a quick break we'll come up uh we'll be talking about something else right after this i don't remember all right i think we're going to you michael vogel what's the deal what's going on with the spider-verse sure are well, you know, we announced uh, the Spider-Verse trailer came out a few weeks ago, and we talked about it, and uh, it's a lot of fun. Trailer's amazing. Looks awesome. Saw a whole bunch of Spider-Men, Spider-Women, and Spider-Others. Um, but then, uh, this past week, they released the poster for uh, the second Spider-Verse movie, and um, between the poster that was released here and the international poster, we got a whole lot more Spider-Man, women, and others for us to chew on. Um, in addition to that, uh, you know, definitely like when Sony released the uh, poster, they're playing on the whole anyone can wear a mask, saying it's not, mm. it's also about how you wear the mask. Kind of leaning into what we already saw from the trailer that maybe every Spider-Man is not equal and the way that some Spider-Men want to be heroes, aka Spider-2099, uh, is not the way that uh, our Miles wants to be a hero. So kind of like uh, promising that we're going to see a lot more stuff. But if you bring up that poster, particularly the international one really quick, Johnny. Yeah. Um, look, so you see some of the main characters that we already know. We see Spider-Man 2099. We see Spider-Gwen. Uh, we see Issa Rae's uh, Spider-Woman. Um, yeah. But like there is a whole wealth of Spider-Man. And th- there's a Spider-Man on the far left in a sombrero. Uh, on the far right, we've got yeah. a wolf spider. I mean, there's uh, you, you can see spider punk up in the back there. But the one that got people really excited is uh, over on the right, and this got me personally very excited, uh, there yeah. is a very distinctive Spider-Man with a very distinctive eye pattern that a lot of people on Twitter called, called out saying is that spectacular Spider-Man from the spectacular Spider-Man animated series. Uh, and Chris Miller responded and said that it was. Uh, and so as someone who um, worked on Spectacular Spider-Man, got to say that got me a little excited to see uh, my boy Cheeks version of Spider-Man up there. So, uh, you know, we've already seen some of the PlayStation Spider-Man, Spider-Man Unlimited. So it really does look like Sony is going all out with this movie and that we are going to see Spider-Men and Spider-Women from not just the comics, not just from animation, not just the video games, but from absolutely everywhere. I mean, this movie is going to be absolutely huge so as far as the hype train um they are definitely doing it right uh gentlemen did yeah. you have a favorite spider in the spider-man poster uh that you picked out or are you just overwhelmed by the sheer number of spideys let's let's take a look real quick <laughs> shannon as you respond here you, you know there's uh there's uh pavidar prabakar spider-man india mm-hmm. I, so I hope yeah. i said that right Hobie Brown, Spider Punk is there. That's that's who. Um, who's voicing that again? Um, uh, uh, Daniel Kaluuya. Kaluuya, right? Exactly. And then here we've got Ben Riley, Scarlet Spider, yeah. Patrick O'Hara, the Web Slinger, the cow. That's the one I'm going to gravitate to there, Vogel and uh, Shannon. Uh, Spider Cat, <laughs> uh, Margot Spider Bite is in this. Julia Carpenter, Spider Woman is in this. Charlotte Weber, Sun Spider is in this. Cyborg Spider Woman is in this. Doppelganger Spider Man. Flash Thompson, Captain Spider, is in this. <laughs> the emissary of hell, Takuya Yamashiro, Spider Man, is in this. That's an old school Spider Man, and there's your yep. spectacular one that you're talking about there, Mikey. 
which they have not confirmed because I think they said just because they're appearing on the poster doesn't necessarily mean they're going to appear in the movie. So I wonder right. if that's going to happen. Spider-Man, the last stand there. Peter Parker, Prince of Arachne. I hope I said that right. And there you go. So a lot of fantastic spider people involved in this. So Shannon, which one's your favorite? I mean, if 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 you can bring the poster back up one more time, yeah. Which one? The international uh, uh, one? Yes. Oh, sorry. Uh, it's, uh, yeah. it, it's that guy right in the center. It's it's Miles Morales. <laughs> I mean, okay. Not okay. Not not being the biggest Spider-Man reader, um, watching that movie, knowing only kind of tangentially knowing the character, um, being introduced to Miles that way was the way for me to be introduced to Miles Morales. Mm. And then it was after that that Vogel let me borrow the Bendis uh, Spider-Man where Miles was introduced in the comics. So to me, Wait, like are you saying you had to earn your way to borrowing that? Is that what you're trying to say? Or are you saying just okay. that you had to read this? In the <laughs> I, I had not I had not inquired. Okay, I think right. I think my borrowing privileges with the comic books from Michael Vogel are, are pretty high. I've never okay. I've never held on to one. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Moving on. I've, oh, I've moving never lost on. A, I've never lost a cover. <laughs> um, Speaking of which, but... Hawkeye is out on Marvel now on Disney. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but uh, it's it's Miles. Miles is the guy. Miles is the guy I'm the most excited to see because I love the fact that they aged him up. I mean, they're, they're they're treating him like like a teenager, like he is growing up before our eyes. And yeah. that story, his bond with his dad, with Gwen, with uh, Peter B. Parker. Uh, I just can't wait to revisit Miles. Yeah, Michael, is there one? I know you, sp- you spoke about uh, spectacular, but is there another one that like is exciting to you to see? in this i mean yeah i mean obviously whether he's in the movie or not i mean i'm sure he'll just be in the background if he is but just seeing spectacular spider-man makes me happy because it just makes me happy that a show uh the first show that i worked on as a development executive still has so much love uh still people on twitter just get really really stoked about anything spectacular spider-man related um when greg weissman and i get dinner or lunch we talk about all the things that we would have could have done if we got to continue with spectacular spider-man but um I mean, not to ape Shannon, but I do love Miles Morales. I mean, I do think Miles Morales in in modern comics is something that shouldn't have worked, that has worked so amazingly well. Like, to yeah. replace Peter Parker with a brand new Spider-Man, tell a brand new Spider-Man story, and see him take off the way that he has, uh, it's just, it's it's one of those magical things where everything just falls into place perfectly right. And he's such an amazing character. As far as all the background spider characters, I think I'm most excited for uh, for Jessica Drew for Spider Woman and seeing mm, Issa Rae's yeah. characters. Like, I just think that design is so great. I think she yeah. looks so cool. I think Issa Rae is so awesome. I just I'm really excited to see how she plays into the story. Um, and I'm just stoked. I mean, Spider Verse, the, the Spider Verse movie. It's just one of those things. Like the first movie came out so strong. Yeah, and yeah. it just feels like they really know the story they're telling. And with the trailer coming out, with the teaser clip that, that came out before the trailer, then the trailer, yeah. and now this poster, you just you get this sense sometimes where you're like, they are they're strutting a little bit because they know they did it again. Yeah, that's what it feels yeah. like. Now you could you could be wrong. We might see it and be like, ah, oh, they got it wrong. But it just has that feeling of them being like, guys, yeah. we know what we're doing. And this is going to be fucking great. And so it just like, it like the hype train has left the station. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I like a lot. I didn't know there was, there was an outlaw or a cowboy Spider-Man. So I'm going to go and find out if there are any 
solo runs of that because I will immediately buy any collections that they have of that kind of stuff because that looks pretty awesome. Apparently, the spider bit the horse and the man, so that sucks. Uh, but at least you're, you've got somebody with you to ride along. I mean, with you. And look, I highly recommend, if you haven't, going back and reading the entire run. I'm sure it's collected online. I'm sure you can get it, but the entire uh run of the spider-verse storyline from several years ago that inspired this movie in the first place i mean gotcha. it's a peter parker centric story but miles is in it spider gwen is in it it's where spider punk first showed up but when all the spider-men and spider women from multiple universes have to get together uh and travel the web of universes to like stop this cataclysm from happening like it was the first storyline that kind of brought all these different spiders from all these different universes together and it's a great ride in the comics very different from the spider-verse movies but definitely what inspired them and it's a great read you should check it out okay done and done i wonder if there'll be a I mean, long spider-man that'd be funny yeah anyway yeah go ahead yeah well, I was going to say, when we go see this in the theater, are you going to switch out your Guy Fox mask for a, a Spidey mask with your cowboy hat, Johnny? <laughs> I mean, if it's out there, there's very real <laughs> possibilities, for God's sakes. Uh, yeah, come on. I'll just ride in on a horse. Um, all right. with uh, All right. Let's, that's good stuff. Uh, let's take a quick break. And, uh, of course, that Spider-Verse is coming out very, very soon next year. So very excited to see it. Uh, I've been loving the animation, loving all the stuff. And I think, Mike, you're right. I think they know they've got another great one on hand and so they're just gonna you know kind of strut around until it comes out and enjoy the love and hopefully it does box office numbers better than the first one did because although it was a lot of people consider it the greatest one spider-man ever made spider film ever made spider-man film ever made it, the box office doesn't compare to some of the live action stuff so hopefully the hype behind this uh, elevates the box office for this one as well uh, all right let's take a quick break and we'll jump into some trailers here from shannon mcglone do 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 do, 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 do. <laughs> so we're having some trailers, trailers, behind the scenes clip. It's a first <laughs> for us. <laughs> we're going to start off with a, a special nine minute look at this gigantic stunt that's coming out for Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One. This is a nine minute clip mm -hmm. that Paramount released a couple of days ago. And, you know, we've seen this this moment in the trailer where Tom Cruise on a dirt bike leaps over a canyon, lets go of the bike, and then goes into uh, goes into free basin and parachutes. Um, looking at it, it's just like, well, there's no way he actually did that. Nine minutes later, yep. nope, he actually did it. I mean... This is just such an incredible look at this movie. I mean, you know, there was that leaked audio when they were shooting this that Tom Cruise uh, lost his temper and uh, let it be known to uh, to some members of his crew that he was not happy with the ignoring of certain COVID protocols. And then watching the uh, complexity of a stunt like this, one portion of the movie, when you add in yeah. the international locations, um, you know, what I imagine is a very, very big story because it is Dead Reckoning Part 1, you understand the scale yeah. of this production um i thought this was one of the coolest things ever i'm not always the biggest tom cruise fan but i love the fact that he go. does stuff like this even though i think he's certifiably insane for wanting to do stuff like this <laughs> so gentlemen after that nine minute look what are your thoughts on mission impossible dead reckoning part one yeah i lost my damn mind i mean i just just hearing that he jumped out of the plane 30 times a day to get this thing 30 times a day to get it right. And then it was like 13,000 or 15,000 motorcycle jumps 
just in preparation. This is one effing stunt to do this much work. So you'll excuse me if I'm okay with him yelling at a crew member for not wearing a mask. I am okay with him getting a little upset because of the amount of dedication and hard work he's putting into the show. It's his ass on the line. No one's going to get mad at second cameraman number three for, you know, for the film doing bad. It's him. So the delays and all of that stuff, missing the timing. I understand why he got upset. But then when you see a video like this, I mean, the thing that stands out for me, other than his insane desire to try to kill himself on sets, is McQuarrie's reaction, the relief. So you can say everything that McQuarrie goes along with this, but you know inside he's like, I've got a multi-million dollar superstar in his 60s doing this nonsense that I could lose. You know, he could die at any moment, and it's insane. But again, it just shows you the kind of dedication he has to this craft and how he wants to entertain. And yes, does it stroke his ego? I'd be an idiot not to say that. But by the same token, he's also wanting to up the ante and i think every film since the second one has gotten better uh each time and so this he wants to keep that streak going here looks pretty awesome to me those nine and a half minutes what'd you think mike uh, he's I, like i'm just like what uh, i think two things actually the first thing i thought was I and mean, we said this before like when the dead reckoning trailer came out i was like yeah. look i i thoroughly enjoy every mission impossible movie and I can't tell you what happens in any of the movies. I go see the movie. I go see the movie. We come out. I go, God, that was great. Tom Cruise, he's such a movie star. What a thrill. What a ride. So great. If you ask me a week later what happens in that movie, I'll be like, there was a cliff? <laughs> and a fight in a bathroom, I think? Um, and watching this, I kind of went, oh, okay, I get it. Like, the Mission Impossible movies aren't about the Mission Impossible story. The Mission right. Impossible right. movies are just for us to go see Tom Cruise be crazy. Like, that's what they're promoting here. Like, releasing this <laughs> nine-minute clip is not... There is nothing about... Like, when you think of the way that we talk about the DC universe or the Star Wars universe or the Marvel universe, like, look, I think... I, I, I'd love to know the way that they did the stunts in Wakanda Forever. Oh, yeah. I, I find it fascinating that they digitally removed Namor's junk so because it was too intrusive for younger kids' audiences. But like when we talk about the universe, we talk about, oh, I wonder what's going to happen with Namor. Do you think Namor's going to do this? If he's a mutant, where are the X-Men coming from? With Mission Impossible, you go, you see Mission Impossible? Tom Cruise jumped off a fucking cliff in real life. <laughs> That's what you talk about. And so I'm like, cool, like, because I'm going to go see it, and we're going to come out, and there's someone's going to be like, how is the movie? I'm like, oh, my God, the movie was great. Tom Cruise such a movie star. He jumped off a cliff in real life. Like, that's <laughs> literally the story. So I was like, it kind of made me feel better about myself that I just can't seem to remember anything about a Mission Impossible movie. But also, it made me feel better about myself because, look, I had a birthday last week. Turn yeah. 45, you get, to, you, get, you get in your 40s, you start thinking about like, all right, well, I'm getting on in years. I wonder wonder what else is ahead for me. Well, apparently in my 60s, I can jump off a fucking cliff. So if sure. I just keep going to the gym, <laughs> keep eating right, I got a lot of adventures ahead of me, according to Tom Crazy Man Cruz. <laughs> yeah, this this thing, like, as as much as I love all of our geeky properties, the thing that I really do enjoy about this franchise, because like Vogel, I, I leave that theater. I'm like, oh, I don't know what that'll happen. Um, but what <laughs> I love about this franchise is just how practically Tom Cruise and Christopher McQuarrie do things. Yep. And that this is this is old school style filmmaking. Like, does he need to do this? 
no. I mean, computers have gotten to a point that they can they can fake all this. But the fact that he's just like, nope, the audience wants to see me do this. And part of me is like, yeah, you are right. <laughs> so Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1 comes out July 14th this summer, two weeks after Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Oh, boy. Tom is a physical media guy. I've had, he's not a digital media guy. He's a physical media guy. He's old school like that, Shannon. So. <laughs> One of his trailers is all video cassettes. Yes. <laughs> Although, you know what I will say? I mean, I mean, yeah, part of part of the charm is that they are so practical to do it. But like there is something like I was just watching a behind the scenes thing about way of about Avatar 2. Mm. And, you know, like in Avatar 1, there are moments where Jake Sully like goes underwater. He jumps off a cliff. But when you go back and look at how they shot it, they had a guy on a rig not in water because right. filming in water is so hard. And then you see that James Cameron was like, okay, so for the next movie, I want to do a lot of water work. I need to build a giant double Olympic size pool and I need brand new cameras that haven't been invented yet so that I can shoot IMAX 3D underwater. And you're like, wow, you did a lot for the fact that like digital effects have gotten to the point where you could have done it a different way. But James Cameron's like, nope, this is the way I want to do it. And then you watch Avatar 2 and you're like, all right, you know what? It looks more amazing than anything I've ever seen. So similarly with Tom Cruise, it's like he can be crazy for the rest of his life because there is, it's like he said three times in this trailer, oh, we're doing this for the fans. We want to give them a great experience in the movies. And we are so used to seeing things digitally that knowing that something was practical, knowing that they really did do it, it does make a difference. I still won't remember what happened in the movie when I come out of it, but it will be an exciting thing and I can't wait to go see it. You guys I mean, me. there is a... Sorry, go ahead, Johnny. You guys crack me up. You can figure out multiverses, but what's going on in the movie you can't figure oh, out? Come on. I can tell oh, you no. the entire history of Star Wars. I can't tell you what happened in that. You're like, you'll be like, remember when there was a there was a sandstorm in Mission Impossible? And I was like, yes. in Mission Impossible one of them? <laughs> Maybe. Rogue Nation. Anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. Henry, go Henry Cavill reloaded his arms and Mission Impossible <laughs> Fallout. That's 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 what I remember from that movie. But just a week later, after mm -hmm. Mission Impossible, we get Oppenheimer, and we actually just got the first official trailer, two minutes long. So you know, this is about uh, Killing Murphy playing uh, J. Robert Oppenheimer, one of the scientists responsible for the atomic bomb, from Christopher Nolan, and incredibly incredibly stacked cast in yeah. this two minutes like you see all variety of of incredible performers um really really good trailer as someone who doesn't know a ton about oppenheimer i'm really curious about the story but also i'm really curious which christopher nolan we're gonna get are we gonna get inception christopher nolan or are we gonna get dunkirk christopher nolan now dunkirk was not a favorite of mine yeah I thought technically what they did with a lot of the shots was incredible and seeing it in IMAX was, it was just so huge and so big, but I was, as myself, I was uh, unable to emotionally hook into that story. And so it was not the best cinematic experience for me, but knowing that we are focusing on Oppenheimer, like this is, this is his story. Um, I'll be very curious if this is a, historical reverent situation like it was with Dunkirk or if he's going to let his narrative he's going to flex his narrative muscles but gentlemen what did you all think of our second look at Oppenheimer Mike I think you're either a Nolan person or you're not a Nolan person like <laughs> I, I, he is he is such a specific you look at all of his movies and there is just a tone and a feel yeah. and a color 
palette and you're like this is nolan like he's he's not the director that's gonna jump from one thing to another thing and really surprise you like you're getting a specific thing now to your point i i put dunkirk near the bottom of the nolan films um but i've watched tenet enough times that i finally understand it and i actually really enjoy it i don't i don't think a movie that you have to watch four times to understand is necessarily a big win but I really appreciate Christopher Nolan as a storyteller. I think he's a very specific storyteller. I think he is a tough nut to crack storyteller, um, but I really enjoy his movies. So I'm excited to go see this. And it feels like to your point, particularly um, with this trailer, that it does seem to be really delving into some character work with Oppenheimer. Like we're really getting into the mind of the person that would build something like this, why they would build something like this, why we had to or didn't have to. And so I, I think it does have some, the movie's going to have something to say. So I'm very curious, but uh, yeah, I was, I was talking to somebody else about this. who was like, Oh yeah, I don't care. It's Christopher Nolan. I'm not going to see it. And I'm like, yeah, like people are either, it was, it was somewhere like, like, like all of us were, um, all of us were on board with inception in the Batman movies. We're like, this is great. And it was about interstellar into Dunkirk into Tenet, where you were like, you either stayed on the train or you were like, nope, I'm out. I'm out. I'm still on the train. Yeah, I, I liked interstellar. So I, I stayed on the train and then Tenet and Dunkirk happened. And I'm, I'm with you guys. I think the three of us, I don't think we've ever discussed that, but the three of us feel the same way about Dunkirk, I guess, uh, in that it's one of the lower uh, ranked Nolan films. Uh, Tenant, I, I, I saw I, I, Lily almost walked out of the theater halfway through Tenant. She said, This is stupid and walked out oh. and just was on her phone oh, for half just, the time and then came back. Just to so, be clear, yeah, just to be clear. Yeah. And like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at watching a movie and understanding what's happening. You just admit Seeing it, you're the, not about Mission Impossible. What are you talking about? Which is, <laughs> no, no, I, just I understand, <laughs> I understand what happens in Mission Impossible. I just don't remember it when I leave. I sat. <laughs> I sat with our friend Brian Leonard uh, yeah. in oh, Washington. We yes. saw, <laughs> and we sat there. We sat there, and I looked at him halfway through the movie, and I said, "What the fuck is going on?" And he goes, "I don't fucking know." Like it's the first <laughs> time I've ever come out of a movie theater and gone, "Okay, what the, what just happened? Like, what even, what happened?" But my brother is such a Christopher Nolan fan that yeah. as soon as you could download Tenet uh, on iTunes, we watched it again. And by the end of the second viewing, I said, okay, okay, I think I get it. And then it took the third viewing. I was finally like, all right, I got it. I got it. I understand Tenet now. I understand it. I understand everything that happened. Fair enough. So, so, okay. No, go ahead, Johnny. Sorry. I didn't get a chance to opine on the Oppenheimer thing. I I really enjoyed the trailer. (laughs) I thought it was good. Yes, I agree with you. It's a stat cast. But I think this is going to be old school Nolan. I, I saw some people complaining that they wanted someone else to tell this story that Nolan might turn him into a bit of a a complex hero and i'm like well that's what you want because you don't who knew what the fuck they were doing at the time and what the ramifications of it were going to be so i like that we're exploring that it's based on this pulitzer prize winning book that also explores what was actually going on on and i mean i love that you see in the here in the trailer right like in the first teaser you heard emily blunt talking about you've got to embrace this thing got to step into the fire all this kind of stuff in this trailer we're hearing about like are they going to really tell the truth about what we did here? So I like that we're going to find out that some Nazi scientists help on, helped on this one, that some uh, uh, um, some things were covered up, some shortcuts were taken, and maybe some stuff was buried. So I like that we're exploring all of that. And the way he's doing it in black and white and color, just absolute genius. So I am 100% in. And remember, his first film 
was all in black and white, right? Following or whatever. So he has, certainly knows how to use that particular approach to films to bring out an emotional story for sure. So, yeah. well, also he did that with Memento. Like That's he right. did, Memento. it went back and forth between yes. black and yeah. white and color, That's depending right. on when in time the, the story was being told. It's been a while since I've seen that. You're right. Good point. Yeah. I mean, Memento is still a terrific, mm. terrific movie. Um, but yeah, Oppenheimer comes out this summer, a week after Mission Impossible, July 23rd. So to our last trailer that I have a little bit of a personal investment in, um, <laughs> back in 2000, what was it, 2009, 2010, there was a little show on stars called Party Down about a, uh, it's a, a sitcom about a group of uh, party caterers uh, who are uh, in living in Hollywood, per- pursuing their dreams. It stars, you know, Adam Scott, Ken Marino, uh, Jane Lynch, Martin Starr, Ryan Hansen, Lizzie Kaplan. In the second season, Megan Mullally comes in. Um, so in the in the era of rebooting things, that yeah, maybe you don't, maybe you didn't need a reboot. Um, they've decided to bring back Party Down for a third season, wow. and uh, we get our first little forty second teaser. Super, super short. It's basically the majority of the main cast back in their pink bow ties, talking, you know, (laughs) getting ready to uh, for the the party catering season. And this was actually the show that I worked on last year. So I am going to be in the first episode of this. Uh, It will be February. It's what is it? February 24th in 2023. So, gentlemen, 40 seconds. What did you think about our semi first look at Party Down season three? I only got one thing to say. They're still caterers. That's the only thing I said. And that's the only reaction. I never watched an episode of this show. It never really appealed to me. Um, mostly because the cast is, just, you know, there's there's not a lot of diversity in that cast. So I was like, eh, do I really want to see this? So it's never been my jam. But that being said, I absolutely am happy you booked a role on this. So <laughs> I will watch that episode for you. And maybe I'll like it. And maybe I'll swing where I'm back and watch those first two seasons. So two we'll seasons. See. What are your thoughts there, Mikey? <laughs> I didn't know that there was a party down season one and season two. I didn't know that there was a party down season three coming out. I was shown this trailer. I said, why are we going to talk about this trailer on the Geek Buddies? Shannon said, because I'm in the first episode. And I said, all right, I'm in. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'll watch it. I'm watching it for my boy. <laughs> What's the I basic say, premise? Are they just caterers trying to make it in Hollywood? What's the pre- basic premise? Yet? That you you nailed it. Oh, really? That's, <laughs> it, it, okay. it, it, it is a comedy about yeah. a catering company in Hollywood and uh, the different the different participants. Like Adam Scott used to be an actor. Ryan Hansen is an actor. Martin Starr is a writer. Ken Marino is the kind of uh, company man for party mm-hmm. down catering. Um, look, I, I had not seen an episode of this show until I booked it. Oh, so so then (laughs) I didn't have stars. It was just shameless. SOB. it it was just not, it it wasn't there. And then when I, after I booked it, I was like, I should probably watch this. And it turned out it was on Hulu and I watched it. I'm like, Oh, this is really funny. Like the people, it has a very, very ardent fan base because my other actor friends who knew that I had gotten it, um, and again, this is not a huge role. Like this is this yeah. is a little part. Like I don't want to oversell it here. Um, but uh, the my other <laughs> actor friends who who were fans of the show were so like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. Mm. So having seen the show, I'm like, yeah, this is this is a very very well done comedy. Um, but yes, we'll find out well, if uh, season three sticks the landing. On you heard February it here. 20- on the, you heard it here on the Geek Buddies. Shannon McClung joins the cast of season three of Party Down in a featured role. See, season three, episode one. 
<laughs> across the multiple seasons. Party uh, down first. <laughs> Season three, episode <laughs> one. <laughs> February twenty fourth, two thousand twenty three, on Stars. Who else has said they're joining the cast or something when they were just uh, anyway? All right, all right. Let's take a quick break. We'll jump into our main topic here, which is our favorite geeky stuff uh, from twenty twenty two. Right after this. Okay, he's got nothing. All right, uh, let's get it going here. What, dude? What? Like the internet literally just went out. Like okay. everything went okay. went fuzzy, and I'm like, oh, I might That's have true. to re log in. Oh, it might be. Yeah, it might be. You look a little pixelated right now, but it might be. But uh, anyway, let's jump into this thing here. Mikey, we'll start with you. Um, what are some of your favorite uh, geeky stuff from 2022? Uh, as we go, let's do this about 20 minutes, 20 30 minutes. What are your overall favorite geeky stuff uh, as we're coming out of 2022? Um, hmm. Well, what are my favorites? Let's see. Uh, there's different sections. We got, we got TV, we got movies, but I'm actually going to start with, uh, books. Um, oh, one of the okay. things that I've really been enjoying, it started in 2021, but it's taken us into 2022. And, uh, that is star Wars, the high Republic. Mm. Um, you know, 2021, they kicked things off. It's, uh, as, as all things with star Wars, there are three phases to it. 2021 brought us light of the Jedi. But in 2022, we jumped back 100 years prior to the High Republic um, for the, uh, I believe it is the Quest of the Jedi, which is the uh, middle part of this kind of High Republic trilogy. And I have just been having an absolute blast uh, kind of going through, um, I kind of read the mainline books and a lot of the young adult books I listen to on audio, read some of the comics, like kind of getting into all of it. And I think that... Um, you know, Star Wars deserves a lot of credit. I think a lot of times where Star Wars gets dinged, and we've talked about this as well on the show, yeah. is that, you know, we have like the big events of the movies that we know. We have the original trilogy, we have the new trilogy, we have the prequels, and we just can't, we kind of keep filling in the gaps. Yeah. And we don't bring a lot of newness. And even though they haven't quite done it on the big screen yet, with the High Republic, Star Wars has taken this giant step backwards into an era that doesn't have stormtroopers, it doesn't have Palpatine, it doesn't have the Sith Lord, it doesn't have Skywalkers. It's just a bunch of Jedi that you don't really know or you've never heard of in an era like we've got Coruscant, we have a Chancellor of the Republic, but beyond that, very much doesn't resemble the Star Wars universe that we know, but at the same time, they've managed to create something that feels super Star Wars. You know, there's uh, there's pathfinders looking for hyperspace lanes, there's pirates, there's monsters, there's Jedi, there's uh, scoundrels. And I've just had such a blast, uh, kind of for the first time ever, diving into a part of Star Wars that's brand new, that has no ties to anything that we know. And so, if you haven't been checking out the High Republic, uh, like I said, there's an entire Light of the Jedi section which kicked things off. That a uh, bunch of different books you can read, and then in 2022 we kind of dove into Quest of the Jedi. So there's a lot of fun stuff to check out, and I highly recommend doing it because I think that this is they're they're really showing their Star Wars stuff. Mm, yeah, Laura Laura Kelly on the Star on the Jedi Way, also a massive fan of the High Republic stuff for sure. Uh, Shannon, what's a, what's a geeky property that stood out to you that you really enjoyed this uh, this past year? So this is not a traditional geeky property, but I think okay. there it definitely has its uh, geeky fans. But it is the docu series Welcome to Wrexham. Oh yeah, on okay. on FX. I mean, this is this is an actual thing that happened. Um, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and Mythic Quest. Um, they purchased a European football club in Wrexham, Wales, and it is a club like John will be able to speak better to the um, 
to the, the the way that the European football clubs work with mm. promotion and and what what is it when they go down? What is the relegation? Relegation. Relegation. Um, but it's 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 literally these two Hollywood guys coming in and buying this club that has been uh, sort of in the lower end of the professional football mm. world um, for for quite a while. The club has had sort of a troubled history. Uh, the town is like a former former. Uh, uh, like industrial town and it, it has kind of hit on hard times a little bit, but it's literally these two guys coming in and uh, revitalizing this club. I mean, spending the money that a club that at that level, which again, correct me if I'm wrong, John uh, wouldn't normally have the resources to do some oh, of the yeah. things that are, that are getting to be done. Right. No, um, absolutely not. But it is such a wonderful wonderful series i mean my wife and i started watching it it was about eight episodes in at that point Mm -hmm. and we just flew through it and again this is like ted lasso the docuseries Mm -hmm. it's literally these outsiders coming in and the way that it works is like i feel like the town has to vote whether or not they want these guys to purchase this club it is it is so funny one, Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds don't know a ton about European football. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> so watching them get sort of get um, acquainted with the rules, it is just such a heartwarming, heartwarming series. Um, you will never believe how quickly um, you you start to become fans of this European football club. I mean, just the the culture of the sport there is so different than anything I feel like we have in the U.S. I mm-hmm. mean, it's these songs that they sing. Players have certain songs. I mean, it's just it's just a really, really heartwarming series. And um, if you have a chance, you you know, it is on Hulu. It, it, it is fantastic. Just fascinating to talk about. I mean, stuff that I've known for three decades and one of the reasons why I love the sport as much as I do. It's great to see a show like this that introduces people like you who are kind of new to it to this kind of culture of football, international football, and uh, shows you why and the kind of passion that people have. I mean, you saw in the World Cup, people were weeping in the stands because their country won uh, the World Cup. But we are so divided by so many different sports that we don't have that one thing to hold on to. And in many European nations, those smaller cities have that club. And that club is the lifeblood of the city. They self-identify themselves with the club and how the club is doing if the club is done is bad they feel bad if the club is doing great they feel great so it's, a, it's very it's a very organic kind of connection that people have with that so yeah certainly there and wales is such a fantastic i mean our what, four or five days we had in wales just some of the greatest times we've had uh, going overseas so I, I love that they focused on that um i'm gonna go more traditional i'm gonna say the batman start off right off the bat i mean that film was i mean people forget like we're always we're already like near the end of 2022 the batman came out in 2022 and it was fantastic and um i enjoyed the hell out of this thing seen it multiple times even with the even with that moment i still enjoy the hell out of this film no one is talking about it for nominations at all which is really heartbreaking to me no talk about it best picture no talk about acting no talk about anything it's not even the direction which i thought matt reeves did an incredible job with a film like this that elevated the genre yet again to show you a gritty um dirtier noirish type approach to batman which we haven't really fully seen before i guess you could go back in time and feel like 1989's batman was dark for that time this one feels like even darker than that and ex- what it explored and the mystery within it all 
And yes, some people felt it was a little bit extra 20 minutes or whatever, a little too long, but I liked it. And I thought it was a good way to kind of open the door. And I wonder if that is going to be what they kind of move in to be one of the centerpieces in the move in the uh, moving forward here with James Gunn and Peter Safford on the DC side of things. So for no other reason, it could be a game changing film for an entire massive franchise and universe. So uh, for me, that is one of the things that stands out. And I rewatched it again the other day because I got it in 4K and just absolutely love the hell out of this movie. So it's just a shame. No one is talking about it for any awards other than maybe technical shit, uh, which is okay, which is, of course, great. But I mean, I just would like to have seen a little more love for Best Picture or even for Best Supporting Actor or something. I, so. I mean, look, I think, I mean, in all honesty, man, I know we, we harp on the DC of it all. I think the Batman is a great movie. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was really enjoyable. The third act has its issues, but I mean, I think it's great. I think Robert Pattinson is an amazing Batman. I think the mm-hmm. world feels really gritty and real, but feels like a heightened Gotham. Like, like it, you know, I mean, Kalinowski and I talked about this. I know his issue with the Nolan movies was always that, you know, Gotham City felt like Chicago. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that uh, in in, Noel, in uh, Reeves' Batman, Gotham City feels like Gotham City. Like, it's a great movie, yeah. but I think it suffers a little bit from... Marvel movies are elevated, even when they're not great, by being part of this bigger universe and this bigger story. Mm. And I think with everything with DC and the confusion about, oh, well, so is the Joker part of the, is this, you know, like there's so much conversation about what's a part of what and not a part of what, that it makes it hard for that one movie to stand out. We're so used to characters hopping from one movie to another movie Mm. or to a TV show and Star Wars and Marvel and these bigger epic stories that the Batman kind of feels like, even though it's really, really great, it's own little island. And sometimes movies should be their own little island. So I'm not saying that it's bad that it's its own little island, but I think that's why it kind of gets forgotten in the bigger shuffle of all these big conversations that we're having about what's what and where it's going. Could be true. Could be true for sure. Uh, Also, also their affinity to not vote for comic book movies to be considered for these things. Yeah, yeah. Ahead, well, Jim. and also to to what you guys were already saying, like I, I I really like the Batman. I do think it meandered a little bit towards the end for me. Um, okay. But some of the performances in this, uh, I mean, yeah. obviously Robert Robert Pattinson did a great job, and I feel like there's just a ton of runway for him now going forward because mm-hmm. really the Bruce Wayne that we met, I mean, this is a broken dude. This is a guy yeah. who has not fine tuned that Playboy persona that he eventually at least in the comics, he, he he gets to. So I think he has own the only place he can go is up with his performance. And also they introduced this relationship, which Nolan did with Gary Oldman, but yeah. the Gordon Batman relationship, yeah. Jeffrey Wright did such a phenomenal job being the guy who's, who's on Batman Island for the GCPD, this yeah. guy that will work, with this, you know, insane vigilante. I mean, their relationship was fantastic. Uh, Colin Farrell, who knew that he was yeah. going to be right. the most incredible penguin that we ever got so much so that he's getting his own series and also in a smaller role, but John Turturro, John yeah. Turturro yeah. as uh Falcone was just incredible. I mean, across the board, Zoe Kravitz, the performances were just next level. And I, I do think again, that, th- that, that, Matt Reeves, Batverse, it can only go up from here. Yeah, fair enough. Mikey, you, uh, you got another thing you want to throw in? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I think that this year brought us a uh, a mountain of geek TV shows. Mm. Uh, you know, we got we got Rings of Power. We got House of the Dragon. We had Moon Knight. We had She-Hulk. We had Miss Marvel. And, like, you know, a lot of them were great. A lot of those things were really, really fun. But 
I think that in the big in the big scheme of things, when we look back on 2022 and geek television, uh, one of the standouts has got to be Andor. Uh, Andor, yeah. Andor, Andor just absolutely uh, had a lot of high expectations going in for people who were really big fans of Rogue One and and believe that Rogue One is one of the better Star Wars movies, which I am one of those people. Um, and just w- were they going to be able to nail it? And I think particularly after Book of Boba Fett left everybody wanting a little bit, and uh, the Kenobi series had its had its really great moments, but kind of had some moments that were a little bit of head scratchers as well. Didn't quite land uh, every single moment. Mm. And Andor came along, and I just think raised the bar for Star Wars story- uh, storytelling and just geek genre storytelling on television. Period. It is such a an amazing show and for a show to be a star wars show with not a single jedi or lightsaber in it uh and make you really feel like you are in it in a way that no one no other show has to really like make you hate the empire more than you've ever hated the empire before uh you know particularly when you got to the arc with andy circus in the prison like i mean just across the board like they just kept one-upping themselves and one-upping themselves and i think it's such a beautiful powerful show that would be beautiful and powerful even if it wasn't a star wars show but the fact that it is a star wars show raises the bar yeah i mean i i couldn't echo your words any stronger mike i mean they're just it's just a fantastic show i mean just from top to bottom the greatest piece of star wars we've had since empire strikes back in my opinion and to have it led by a latino actor a mexican actor like diego luna is just fantastic in the source of pride and for those of you who may not know Christian Harloff got to interview Diego Luna on Sith Council this week, and it's 25-minute interviews up on his channel if you want to watch it. It's a fantastic interview, him and one-on-one, and Diego talking really honestly and earnestly about his process and how this all came about and uh, you know, talking about w- what really moved him to take this project on and that Kathleen Kennedy was the one who suggested it. And that's got to be, you know, for people who want to go and bash Kathleen, She's the one that suggested this situation. So you've got to give credit where credit is due. And so a lot of people were behind this thing to make it happen. And I think that's uh, it's so great that we get to look back and, and enjoy this series for sure. Uh, Shannon, what's your um, what's your, what's another one you want to throw in the mix? Um, so this is way back at the beginning of the year. The reason I specifically mentioned John Turturro with mm. the Batman is because mm. at the same time, he was in a little Apple Plus show called Severance. Oh, yeah. Which was uh, again one of those shows like it's not a traditional geeky property but when you look at the premise that we're dealing with a company that um has this process called severance where they bifurcate their employees memories so where uh there is the person the employee who is outside of work and there's the employee who's inside of work and as a as a concept because it's it was almost billed as a little bit of a comedy at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, oh, okay, that's that's kind of funny. But then you get into the larger moral implications of it. That these people who work, they they open their eyes, they're working. They get into an elevator, they open their eyes again, they're back at work. Like they are literally trapped in this building. I mean, the world is so uh, just off kilter. I mean, Ben Stiller has really done, has turned into a really, really incredible director. Mm. And Severance, just across the board, again, their performances, fantastic. John Turturro, as he's playing a mobster in The Batman, and he's playing this very kind of soft-spoken company man in Severance. You know, you get an incredible performance from uh, Adam Scott, Zach Cherry. I mean, it's just such a well-done show. And if you haven't seen it yet, if anyone in our audience hasn't seen it, um, a, a season two is coming because the season one finale 
might be one of the most incredible finales in the history of television. Wow. Okay. I I was going to say that. I uh, Severance wow. was also on my list as I was kind of putting things down as uh, the top things of the year. And yeah, it starts and you're like, this is interesting. And then you get really invested and you get more invested. And that season finale literally was a stand-up, you're alone in your apartment, you stand up and you're screaming at the TV. Like, it Ooh. was... Okay. wild i cannot wait for season two uh it's not the best finale on television because that honor still goes to the season two finale of for all mankind um which is in my opinion the best one of the best hours on television period but yeah severance is just a great show great performances and just a really 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 kind of fresh take on an idea that's existed in sci-fi before like you know splitting your mind and everything else but just mm. the way it's all handled is so unique and so original um it's just uh it's just fucking wild it's great wow. okay i got it that's that's my saturday severance is my saturday so oh, i have not seen one episode of that show so i'm going to and i might record myself yeah i'll tell you right as, now yeah text messages what are you guys talking about <laughs> Okay. I don't get it. This show's weird. This show's weird. Oh, wait. Okay. okay. So this just happened. All right. This is good. Oh, I'm fucking in on this. Oh, F this character. F this character right here. I'm not about that at all. Okay. I'm going to watch the finale. We're going to see what happens. Holy shit. Oh, fuck. Ah! That's what's going to happen. I think there was a cliff. Uh, anyway. Um. <laughs> Um, for me, I'm going to throw Peacemaker in there. I mean, who saw that coming? Do you want to do I mean, nobody saw Peacemaker coming from a mile away. And it came and it was John Cena who people were like, can he really lead a show? We've seen him do stuff, but can he be the lead? And to, to the pathos he exhibited, the vulnerability, the honesty, and the rawness in his emotional performance Plus the writing, the directing, the unique characters that were in this thing, the chemistry of everybody, the journeys that they all went on over the series, the arc that they all went on as separately in their own journeys and together as a team, I thought was absolutely fantastic. Great humor. It was better than the Suicide Squad, which he had done just a few months months before. I thought it was even better, better than that. And I was so, so surprised. So when they named him as the guy in charge of DC, I was like, well, you know what? You want to go right off your top thing into something big to give people hope that you might have, you might be doing something great with it. So I've got nothing but faith in James Gunn now coming out of those Guardians of the Galaxy and the Holiday Special. And let me throw that into, I, I loved that whole thing that uh, both of these things brought out in terms of James Gunn's talent and his ability and his perception of the world of superheroes and how to make it work with humor and stakes. And I think both of these properties or both of these uh, TV shows, one the special, one the series, worked so well in bringing that out for on Marvel and DC side, which I think is great. So, um, all right. Um, all right, one last one. Let's make one last go around. Uh, Michael, you got one more to throw in there? Yeah, I do. I mean, you know, we talked about it last week when we were talking about nominations uh, for Critics' Choice and Golden Globes, but yep. Everything Everywhere All at Once is still my top oh, movie yeah, of the year. Yeah. Everything Good Everywhere point. All at Once is still, it came out early in the year, uh, thought it was going to get forgotten at awards season. Thankfully, that looks like it's not the case. And look, I know, uh, I just think that we've dove in, we've, we've, as, as pop culture, we have embraced the multiverse. Mm -hmm. uh, we just talked about Spider-Man uh, Into the Spider-Verse, the sequel coming out, which is a multiverse movie. Marvel Phase 4 is all about the multiverse. It is, we are in the multiverse saga. DC is probably going to try and use the multiverse to clean up a little bit of their mess. But for this movie to come along and be 
a unique, weird movie about the multiverse that is yeah. really just not just about a family, but just about why we live life. I mean, like why, like when we think about the road less traveled, what we could have been, what we are, how did we end up where we are now? Why is life worth living? It, it is a movie that is at equal parts ridiculous and incredibly moving. And the fact that they can take things like Rakakuni and people with hot dog fingers and just the weirdest shit that you could possibly think of and at the end of the movie have you sort of weeping and coming out of the theater and being like i get it i, I think yeah. i think i understand the world a little bit better that's wild to me it's it's literally it's probably going to be one of my top 10 movies period for quite some time yeah and look i know a lot of people have been pushing that that scene for banshees has been a share with barry keegan and i think barry keegan is fantastic that scene is great but i almost take personal offense that trying to get him to win, get nominated for the Oscar and take it over Ki Hui Kwan, who was fantastic in everything, everywhere, all at once. Y'all cut it out. Barry King was great. Cut it out. Cut it out. Shannon, uh, one, more, one more to throw in here? Okay, yes. Yeah. So I, I'm going to say two. I'm not going to talk about yeah. one, uh, but I'll just say that uh, I'm I'm currently about halfway through For All Mankind Season 3, which came out this past summer. Um, this is an incredible series. I tried to watch it a few years ago. I It didn't hook me right away. At the behest of Michael Vogel, he was just like, just give it a few more episodes. <laughs> and it turns into, again, one of the most incredible series on television in quite a while. Mm. So I'm not done with I'm not done with season three. So that's why it's not my actual pick. My actual pick, again, not the geekiest thing, but it is uh, The Offer on Paramount+. Plus. Oh, yeah, the Godfather so one. Right. So this is a limited series. This is uh, Al, Al Ruddy's um, recounting of how he made The Godfather. Paramount Plus, low key. I, I the functionality on the PlayStation is terrible, but the <laughs> the uh, content that they have w- between 1883, 1923, oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm really starting to enjoy Tulsa King. Uh, King. I didn't I like the first couple good. episodes. I'm starting to really like it. But also the offer. I mean, leading into Top Gun, like you really get to see what an incredible performer Miles Teller really is. Like he does such a fantastic job. The supporting cast, well, one of our good friends, it, it plays Mario Puzo's wife, uh, Vicky, Vicky Kelleher. She's, <laughs> she's in the first episode. She does a wonderful job. But the uh, supporting cast across the board, Juno Temple, Matthew Good, how he's not getting nominated for anything is just shocking to me as Bob Evans. Dan Fogler is Francis Ford Coppola. I mean, across the board, the show is just so enjoyable. And Godfather is one of those movies that I was like, I liked it. I, I, I don't I don't put it on put it on the pedestal like other folks. Um, but I but I think it, but I think it's a good movie um, going and watching this series, then going and watching it again. Um, really, really upped upped its value in in my eyes. Now, again, I realize that this is one of the best movies ever ever made. It just was not. It it did not hit me until I actually got to see all the goings ons that went into making it. And it yeah. is it is a fantastic series. And I hope I hope our audience will give it a shot. Part of the lore of loving that movie is knowing all the madness that was going on behind the scenes and how we almost never got Al Pacino. We almost never got Brando on the comeback. There's so much that could have happened. I mean, they wanted Robert Redford, for God's sakes, to play Michael Corleone. <laughs> so, you know, you know, when that's part of loving the franchise is finding out how much of the madness was going on. But I think you make an excellent point, uh, Shannon. I wish every every great movie got a series 
that kind of showed you yeah. how everything came together and had the drama. Cause I think people might revisit these classics and have a different point of view as you did coming out of it. Um, one last thing I'll throw in is Sandman, the Sandman. I thought the Sandman absolutely nailed it. And it's something, you know, Michael keyed me into the Sandman. He's, he was my kind of entryway into the Sandman, reading all the comics, uh, borrowing and delivering them back and reading all those things and getting involved in it. I was, well, I, did, I feel like I did. I was nervous about how this show was going to come off and it was great. All the changes they made work. So even the supplemental episode was fantastic. Yeah. So, so I, I'm definitely due for a rewatch as I take next week off. I may take a day just rewatch the whole thing back to back because i really love the performances the direction the cinematography the score involved in it the brutality the core combined with some of the emotional journeys of these characters the visuals themselves were jaw-dropping uh, you know it, we just saw avatar way of the water all three of us the visuals there are incredible the visuals in sandman are just as jaw-dropping in certain sequences as we saw here in the show so for me overall that's one of the things that i put near the top of my list of great stuff from 2022 yeah i mean like we talked about it a lot i was very nervous going in uh like yes I you was, were the I most was, nervous i was like kind of the one like i really wasn't sure and it did end up being a great ride i will also recommend though uh as something else that came out this year this year also got volume three of Sandman on Audible. Oh, right, um, yes. And if you are someone who, it doesn't really matter. If you're someone who loved the comics and didn't love the Netflix series, mm -hmm. if you've never read a comic and you love the Netflix series, if you're just a Sandman fan in general, it doesn't matter. If you've never touched the comic or the series and you don't really care to, go to Audible, download volume one of the Sandman. All-star yep. cast, full production, narrated by Neil Gaiman. It is it is a exact retelling of all the Sandman stuff. They've gotten up to volume three. I think there's going to be four volumes total. It is me walking my dog at 530 in the morning, crying on the streets of West Hollywood because I'm so moved by what I'm listening to. It is spectacular, <laughs> amazing. Awesome. As far as geeky things go, uh, I'm really enjoying like Audible. I'm really enjoying like watching my shit and then walking and listening to shit. Like I'm just geeky at all points in time. So uh, as as an addendum to Roka's Sandman, definitely check out the Audible series as well. Well, there you go. All right, well, let's wrap it up there because we know uh, Shannon's got to get on out of here. So thank you all so much for watching this episode of the Geek Buddies and for, being su and for supporting us all through 2022. Can't thank you all enough. We did more shows than we've ever done before and you all have been there through all of it. So thank you all from the three of us very, very much. Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK Tune. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca Says. Mikey? Uh, 2022 has been a great year. We got bigger plans for 2023. We got more shows, more spoiler reviews. Maybe Shannon and I are going to even get these cute little green screens like Johnny has so we can all match. Like, who knows? It's going to be a wild ride, guys. Just stay tuned. And if you want to see what surprises we have in store, here's what you guys can do for us. Uh, smash that like button below. Subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page. Leave your comments below. Uh, what do you think of Dwayne The Rock Johnson? What did you think of Oppenheimer? What do you think of Tom Cruise? Who's your favorite Spider-Man? And what was your favorite stuff in 2022? Let us know. Maybe there's some stuff that we haven't checked out that we absolutely should. Let us know. We'll see uh, and we'll let you know in 2023 what we thought about it. If you are listening to us on a podcast right now, leave some stars, leave some comments. It helps us go up in the rankings. And as always, the best thing that you can do is retweet this video, post it on your socials, send it to your friends, and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies.
And then most of all, head on over to CarbonHealth.com and go get checked out today. CarbonHealth.com for virtual care, in-person care, and download the app to have a doc in your pocket. All right, y'all have a safe and happy holidays from the three of us. Take care of yourselves. We will not have a show next week, so enjoy the new year. And we'll be back in 2023 with a kick-ass show and more kick-ass stuff to do to hopefully get even more of you to subscribe and enjoy the work we're doing here on the Geek Buddies. All right, y'all take care of yourselves. Be well. We'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode of The Geek Buddies! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.